Welcome to the Born to Write podcast, dedicated to writers, authors, and the art of storytelling. Go behind the scenes where writers reveal their ups and downs and how they finally shared their stories with the world. Now, here is your host, Azul Tarones. All right, welcome to the show, James. Welcome to Born to Write. We're glad you're here. Thank you. This is a real treat for me to be considered for a show that's about writing, which is something that I would not classify myself as. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. I think what's interesting is you're being known for the super fast business guy helping so many people having to go into a place where you're going to write, a place where you're a little more vulnerable and that writing isn't necessarily your thing. What's your relationship to writing in the past before you started writing your book, Work Less, Make More? Uh, it's pretty much the same. I, I don't do it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I'm a prolific content creator. I publish a lot of stuff. Almost always it's going to be audio and sometimes video. And from those, we would normally get transcriptions done. So my team will actually do that, not me. Me and the keyboard, we just don't get on that well. I still tap at it with two fingers. I've never done a typing course. I very rarely sat down and just written. And I've, I've not really understood the idea of the writer, you know, when people talk about um, sitting in a cafe and writing stuff or having their morning routine where they sit down and write first thing. I've got so many friends who do it, like Darren Rouse and Andre Chaperon and Kelly Exeter. I just don't associate with that. I can't relate to it. I would just prefer to talk. For me, it, it seems the modality that is easier for me to put together ideas. And I know that it can be processed later. And thankfully, you can actually get help from people who really are good at this stuff. And and I've sort of, you know what, I'm not going to try and learn how to be a, a writer. I'm just going to do what I do and see if I can get people to lift what I do and, and tune it and make it amazing, which has happened, thankfully, for the book. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it is quite amazing. It's really, it's well done. Let's rewind before we, we get into the writing process and how it was working in collaboration, because that's essentially what you did. For those of us who listen to the show, who are mainly writers, who are jumping in and don't know about you, what's the short version? What would you say you do so they can understand where you're coming from and why this book was important to you? Short version is I used to run Mercedes-Benz dealerships and learned a lot about sales and management and all sorts of things like reporting, like real business stuff. And then I set up a business online and had a few different iterations of that, ended up providing services like website development. And then people wanted help with their online business. And because I used to coach and train and teach people in the dealership and manage, I have that nurturing gene. So I wanted to help them. So I set up a coaching around that. And now my business is primarily coaching entrepreneurs business owners to grow their business and to design the lifestyle for themselves. So I'm not a nine to five enterprise guy, a traditional type guy, a lazy hammock beaches sort of a guy. I'm like, hey, look, you're going to do some work, but let's make it leveraged. Let's make your life something that you actually love rather than grinding away. And at the same time, you can still make some really decent profit if you set things up correctly and you get out of your own way. So I wanted to put together a collection of my thoughts and ideas that I've developed, refined, tested with my business, tested with students. So I wanted to put them in one place and then 
I dedicated that to my children who are sort of in the age spectrum of 15 through to 22 years old. And this is the book I wanted to put in their hands and say, look, read this. It's going to get you further down the track than you trying to figure all this stuff out for yourself. Because I've spent a couple of decades doing that. And this is, this is all in a tight little, easy to read bundle of 137 odd pages. Go for it. Right. And would you say that's a big motivation to kind of pass on this, the information that's been stored in your head and your groups and your masterminds and kind of hand it to them? So like, look, here's the roadmap. Don't forget it. I have always had this innate knowingness that I wanted to put together these things and get them out there. I'm not sure why it is there, but I do collect things. I've, I've stored over many years records from my sales years, any sort of achievement or things that were notable. I, I wrote them down or put them into a box and even my diaries. And I was just thinking, oh, these will be handy one day when I write a book. So it's, it sounds crazy and maybe it's even narcissistic, but I think I've known for 20 years or so that at some point I wanted to document it. And even when I find out about something really interesting or whatever, I just feel compelled to share that with people and to teach them and to see them get a result from it. For some reason that excites me. Yeah. And I think that's what the whole concept of born to write really should be born to tell your story or share your message. It's just, that would be longer. I think that's the whole point is like, you know, there's something innate in us that wants to tell our story or the story or a, a message that's in our human qualities. And it's a little bit unfortunate that most of us, we value books over speaking. And it's maybe it's because it's school, you know, school, I was a teacher and a principal for a lot of years. And man, the way they taught writing in school always felt like this is going to be painful and awful and ugly and no one should do this. And I think a lot of it was if we could just talk and share our stories, it would be easier. But like there's some quality of a book that says, here, this is real. This is meaningful. You should exchange your time for the time I took to write it. It's an interesting like relationship that we have to words. Yeah. And I think some people who like to write may be introverted. Seems to be some of the people who I've encountered who love to write tend to be preferring to sit back and put their thoughts down and, and be considered and measured and put a lot of effort into that. And they're, they're quite creative as well. And I've only come to this party late. You know, I've just been on a Netflix binge over the last few years, catching up for all the years that I didn't have any time to do that and really engrossed in the storytelling thing. And I've always told stories, but I didn't know anything about the three acts or the hero's journey until recently. So it's very interesting to sort of see some of the, the mechanics of it. And I was never a an English student at academia type at school. So I've somehow figured out a way that I could make a living talking in the sales environment. Most of my living was made by thinking on my feet and navigating conversations to successful outcomes where the customer was happy and I was happy. And now some of this has been translated into words. And there's only one time that I can remember where I sat down and wrote and it was for a specific campaign and I wrote one email per day for a week and I just poured out these stories that were inside my head that I've told many, many times before, especially at parties and things. And I just put them to paper and one of my students, Kelly, saw those emails and she said, oh, this is great stuff. You know, this is good, good stuff for a book. And she'd already mentioned to me that I had a book's worth of information because she saw me present. 
So I guess I'm switching mediums a bit and learning more about this world. And I have a feeling I might do more books after book number one. Right. You know, it's interesting because the way you crafted your message, you could tell, and this is what's intricate about writing that's a little different than working with the person like in the sales position. You're watching their body language. You're you're reading their intonation. You're noticing the way they're responding to your question. So you can adjust. When someone's reading your book, you have to anticipate those and you have to create those moments without even watching them there. So it's a different way of interacting with the person who's consuming. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, like you said, it, it could be an introverted or silent way, but I think people who deliver great messages like you, you know, can deliver this work, especially in your relationship with someone like Kelly, who's also a book coach. Tell me how that process worked. Cause like, I want to dive into the content cause the content's amazing. But I thought for people that are listening in, cause I think they always assume that people who write books are just great at everything. That's why they wrote a book. But I think you had a different journey. Tell us about the relationship of creating this book and how it felt and what were some of the pain points. So the spark for it was uh, when Kelly was watching me present at an event and the information really hit her between the eyes, as it did with a lot of the other people there. This particular presentation I really crafted for that audience and it had a high impact and I ended up accumulating most of the people in that audience came into my program as a result. And you know, I customized that message specifically for where they're at, which is kind of a broad market as well. It's for people who are feeling a bit stuck and not able to progress past a certain point and doing a lot of work, but feeling like they should be getting better rewards. So she said to me, look, why don't you have a book? This stuff's good stuff. And then from there, the process was, I gave her the transcripts of my presentations. I gave her access to these emails that I'd sent to my previous training. I gave her the, the first book that I'd worked on that didn't make it out, <laughs> which is about five years prior, where I'd paid some money, got some help, and the lady froze up on me and, and then just sat on it for a couple of years. And by the time she got back to me with it, I'd moved past that point. I wasn't interested in it anymore. And so Kelly basically worked hard on the outline and how we're going to capture this information our biggest challenge was we just had so much stuff. I have 10 years worth of content and I am all, you know, I mean, because I'm a generalist, I'm able to cover a lot of different topics. So I'm, I'm not just good at one or two areas that, you know, easy to put a label on, like you've got the YouTube expert or the Facebook expert or the AdWords expert or the funnel person or the speaker trainer. You know, there's so many areas that I work in because of the nature of my experience and the clients that I attract that we wanted to capture that. But we realized what the point of the book was, was just to introduce people to me. So it should be an introductory book. We also wanted it to be extremely pragmatic because that's my style. There's never wasted words. There's never filler or fluff. My annoyance with some books is that I know they started with one page with maybe 10 bullet points, and then they fluffed it all out into a big book. And that just annoys me. So when I'm reading a book, I actually take bullet points from them. And I usually end up with two or three pages of bullet points, but some books, there'd be only one page. I think in this book, you would take a lot of notes. And we also made sure there was action steps at the end of each chapter, because I don't want to let people get all soft and fuzzy and excited and do anything. Because I think with the book, the mission was to create something where people get results. And that should help people leave a great review and it should turn it into a book that people recommend. And I wanted the book to be a good book. So I resisted making a pamphlet, which is a lot of people in my industry do, where they just do a one-hour interview 
and talk out some stuff and then it gets cranked out and churned out and it's just this thin little thing. I wanted a real book. So for Kelly and I, we just agreed on what we're actually producing. I think she ended up with that title and I refined the subtitle and we had a few directions we went down in the beginning that didn't quite pan out because we were trying to get the hook first, even though some people say do it last, but we wanted to hang it off that. And then we had a bit of back and forth about the chapters. And there was one chapter that we left out of the book, which could almost have been the book title and a big part of the book. But we think that's a later book. And we also think it's the least evergreen part. So that was pretty hardcore. And also Kelly would send me questions and I would dictate answers because I prefer to do that than to type. So she would send me a question in an email. I would then open up my phone and then I would just talk. And sometimes I talk for 45 minutes or an hour. And often I'd have to go and do some research. I'd have to ring up my mum and dad and say, hey, you know, in 1991, where were we living? What, What happened then? What was the reason for this? And those sort of things. And I had to fact check stuff. I'd go down to the garage and look up my sales achievements or what year was that and those sort of things. I wanted it to be accurate. I'd hate to publish something and people say, hey, that's not true. Right. Because as you know, over decades, your stories start to you know, migrate a bit. We, we don't fully remember everything. And when I went to the garage, I actually found stuff that I'd even forgotten about, like dozens of clients that I worked on in the beginning and completely forgot about. So stuff that I just put in the back of my mind. Then I'd I'd send these recordings to an online service called Trint, and it would instantly turn the audio into words. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty rough version. It's it's certainly not tight or punctuated or edited up. And then I would just send Kelly the audio and the text, and she'd scan the text, and then from that she would write. So she did most of the writing. Uh, so if you wanted to think about the process as this, it was my transcripts, and then her writing and then my editing and then her editing and then there was the line editor and then the proofreader and then there was my customers. And by the time we got to the end, one customer found one mistake. It was just one word that was spelt slightly differently, but also maybe spelt differently in some markets. So we got it pretty tight, but there was a lot involved. And the hardest phase for me was the initial reading of the first draft manuscript when Kelly printed it out and sent it to me to read like a book. And there were some bits that made me angry and frustrated. And there were other bits where there was a moment there, I was actually on an airplane and you shouldn't really do some of this stuff on an airplane because you can get pretty drained or tired flying. (laughs) There was one moment I thought, nah, screw it. I don't think I'll bother with this book. It's just a pain in the ass and it's not getting where I want to get to. So you do go through that writer's challenge of, of it's just all too hard. And like there was an entire chapter, I just, I crossed it out. I scribbled through it and I pen pushed through the paper. I was just really annoyed with it. It wasn't me and it wasn't what I wanted in there. And I was, and it was um, the exact opposite of what I believe in. And it just really annoyed me. And then there were other bits where I just crossed things out, made notes. And then we redid that one chapter. I actually created brand new content and we redid it from scratch because I think that chapter was sort of pieced together with not enough starting information. And too much of Kelly came through in, in that 
chapter and it wasn't me and I've, I lost, I disconnected with this isn't my book. I don't want it. Screw yeah. it. I, like just forget it. And then, you know, I recovered from that, that <laughs> rage. Also, there was just little, just some little subtle things too, like, you know, whose name's on the book and all of that sort of stuff. I really think the material is mine. They're my ideas and concepts. And, and after I re-edited all the chapters for two hours each, I changed a lot of words, the words that I use. And I also reversed some of the statements to be what I believe in. And I even found that I'd actually changed my mind on some things from five or six years ago, which is some of the source of the original book where I'd learnt new information. I wanted to just boost it or touch it up a bit with new information. So by the time we finished, I really felt like it had my words. And my customers who have been dealing with me for a long time, in some cases a decade, they say, yes, this is, this is you. Like your, your, Kelly has captured you perfectly. This is your voice. These are your words. This is exactly the information you've been teaching us. And that was good validation. Right. And we had to work at that because there's 10 chapters and, and I, I probably spent 30 hours on those and the introductions and it was slow going at first. It might take me a few days to clear a path to get to it and sit down and do the most boring thing in the world, like editing my own stuff. Right. And, and is- then by the end, I was cranking out two or three chapters a day. I'd gotten back into a work habit of being able to do three blocks of two hours straight, which is, you know, that's sort of back five years or six years ago for me since I've worked that much in a single day. And when I got into the the thing, I was unstoppable and I just cranked it out and I I finished it very quickly when I got into the flow. So I think if you were to ask Kelly, she'll probably say the hardest struggle was wrangling me at times and managing the beast, you know, like yeah. I'm a strong personality. I have really strong opinions and I don't have much compromise in my life. So to be beholden to this book project was annoying right. and I'm so glad it's done and I'm enjoying this phase of just talking about the book and seeing people buy it and share their reviews and let me know it's really helping them. So it was all worth it. And, you know, it is covered in one of the points in the book where I say sometimes you've just got to do the hard thing. And a little bit of hard work now can give you a great reward in the future. But it really brought Kelly and I close together from more or less strangers to having a fantastic working relationship. We email back and forth. She tells me, do this or do that, or I need this, or well done with that, or hey, check this out. And I send her things like comments that I get from people. I ask her questions. We work out things like where could people buy it? Who's going to hold the boxes? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I ain't stuffing envelopes. If you know what I mean, right? And and then um, you know she's having her little support requests with Create Space and haggling with them on joining the Kindle to the paper book and all this sort of stuff. We've had it's been a great learning experience. So I've learned a lot more about the process from nothing to seeing a whole book go through. And I think even Kelly might have been surprised by the traction that we got without a big launch because we didn't do a fancy pants launch. You know, we we didn't spend a hundred grand buying copies from all around America to stag the best sellers list or 
do any Kickstarter campaigns to sell a thousand books and go to dinner with me and all that sort of stuff. Cause that, right. that just seems like, um, a lot of work. I just wanted to focus on making a good product. Right. And that's probably, uh, idealistic <laughs> to say, you know, I just want to do a good book because I know that a lot of it's around the cover and the cover was a funny one too, because Kelly kept saying, look, your old photos don't look like you. You need to get good photos. So I took some photos and she goes, they're not good enough. You've got to get a professional. Like, okay, Kelly. So I got the <laughs> professional to come out and we did proper photos. And then I had a pro designer, Greg Merrilees, put together the cover with Kelly's design input and the pro photos. And you know, it all sort of came together. So we have a great team. Everyone involved in it has been fantastic. And you know, finally get to hold the book in your hand. And uh, at no point did I even think about things like, you know, making money from the book on Amazon or whatever. That was just like a little surprise. Right. You know, it's really great. Let's dive into the book because I think your process, it's really good because some people will collaborate because they're like you, they're like, look, I want to dictate my book. I want someone to extract my book. I need help more than just help me edit it. The majority of book writing is editing. I think that's something that people don't realize. Like, look, your ideas on page, even if you're a writer, is just the very beginning. It's sort of like the Japanese proverb, when you're you know, 90% of the way done, you're almost halfway there. And that's how books can totally be, because you think, oh, I finished, I got it all done. And you're like, oh, what? We have to do more? But I think- having- Oh, and there's also that emotional thing. Like, like I'll talk for an hour. I'm sitting there in, in Paris, looking at the Eiffel Tower and from my hotel room, cranking out audios for Kelly. And then when the chapter comes back, there's like, one little snippet of the story and the rest went to the, the cutting room floor, you know, like it's so tight because she eliminated so much. So she was ruthless and probably she had the ability to do that because she's not as attached to the material. Right. And, you know, you, you get blinded by your own greatness at some point, don't you? And, and it's good to have a third party say, no, nah, it's not interesting enough. Right. <laughs> you know, like I'm constantly reminding my dad that, you know, this book isn't, it's not actually about you. And it's <laughs> not really even about me. It's more about the customer and what's going to help them. So they don't need to know about Paul Keating and his terrible leadership on Australia. And like I said, honestly, Dad, some people wouldn't even know who Paul Keating is. <laughs> right. You know, but you did, an, I think you and Kelly did a nice job of bringing in the stories of your dad and the relationship, you know, like watching him go through downturns and why you made a decision at a young age that you were going to do things different. And the commitment you made to self-development. I think all those stories, it's funny because we think we need to, to, a longer runway to help people understand when in fact that short runway is probably just enough to plant the seed so the reader can go, oh yeah, that, that resonates with me as well. So I, I thought, I thought the, you did a great job of kind of sharing just enough. It was tough too. I mean, I had to more or less get the approval of my parents to include those stories and it's hard for them because it was a painful time in their life and they are terrific parents. They couldn't have done anything more. Like they would remind me that we lived in a nice place and I went to a nice school because they were doing whatever they could to give me a good future. So they were quite selfless and they were caught up in stuff that was to a large extent beyond their control. But it did sort of it did start some, you know, interesting discussions. It was sort of a phase there where like, well, you can include it, but we're not happy about it. Sort of, you know, mm-hmm. I had to, so I had to broker the way that we worded, and and so I I had to move my stance slightly because I'm s- still want to be super respectful, and I think about what would happen in the future when my kids want to publish 
their stories and they talk about their dad, you know, uh, my pride and ego would want it to be all good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then there was other elements too. I actually I spoke with uh, a lawyer, customer of mine, and uh, got her advice on some other areas where I had a particularly interesting boss at one point and I had to remove some of the storyline around some of the things that happened to me just to make sure that I stay out of trouble with that. And and then there were even other things like when we go to, to publish, we find out that, you know, there's there's a trademark on the same name as the book uh, in, in one market for courses and stuff. And I had to make sure that we're not stepping on anyone's toes there because we didn't even know about it until then. And like literally the day before we went live, someone else published a book of a similar name that we would have considered as an alternative. So you have to allow for things to not run smoothly and so far so good. Yeah. That's great. And I think that's the things you discover along the way. Like it is quite a journey. Let's talk a little bit about the content because I was fascinated with the concept of work less and make more and the way you talk about your workday and your, your life, which is radically different than showing up to a car lot every day to sell. Talk about the main notion of work less, make more. Well, the whole concept is that you know, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then you've probably got a choice to do something different. And if you're going to do something, why not optimize it or, or make it leveraged for yourself? Because there's some simple things that people do that are really getting in the way of them having a better life that they could have. And through my coaching and through working on myself, through that transformation that I went through and helping others achieve that, and I've got a long list of people who've been able to quit their regular nine to five job and have a more income coming in and working less, it really was the perfect way to capture the message there. You really can work less and make more. If that's something you want to do, the book will help with that. It's more or less a prescription with action steps. And it steps you through some of the the changes that you will need to engage to achieve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had some really, I thought that was the fantastic part about it was the balance of narrative, like information as the, the why and the what, but also some really great how. Here's what to do here, you know, like using the whiteboard, for example, that you talked about, about getting stuff out of your head or a sheet of paper. I mean, there's really practical, not just information, which I thought was really useful, you know, learning, learning the strategies that you would share. Yeah, I, I didn't want to just excite people and leave them hanging. <laughs> like it has, it had to have the action steps. It was one of my original requests. Like at the end of each chapter, it has to have things that you can do that back up that chapter. So that was where a fair bit of my work was to make sure that the chapter gives the good information. Then I cleaned up quite a lot of the action steps to tie them back into the action steps. And it, it was hard work. It was really hard work to, to do that. And I know that someone going through that book, doing those action items, will see a transformation. And and that was what I was thinking about when I was doing that hard work. I was thinking about the person who's going to get the result. And, you know, that person could quite easily be my own kid. And that was a big motivation. Right. No, it's, it's, and it's fantastic. One of the things that really struck me was that I think you made what you do as an entrepreneur seem attainable because a lot of times, you know, we watch entrepreneurs, they rise to a great success and then they seem so far removed from the person who's just starting out, who 
who isn't making anything. And as much as we believe and hear what they say, we feel like but that I can't imagine even making a hundred dollars online or passive. How could I ever imagine making 30 or 40 or a hundred thousand? And I think the way you were talking <laughs> about it is like a mindset. It's, it's just really, it's a planful way of thinking about it. And I thought, Oh, well, well, that's that, really useful. <laughs> there was a really interesting scenario around that. And initially my example exercises were just too big. The numbers were too big. My son reading it goes, dad, that's just a huge number. <laughs> and Kelly said, you can't just start people off at a hundred grand a month. They just won't comprehend that. And cause I spend most of my time in a world where let's say 20 to 30 people who I'm coaching are making more than a hundred thousand dollars a month. And that is a very normal situation. I've been on that sort of level of income for about seven years straight. Mm-hmm. So Whilst I can't comprehend what it would be like living on $60,000 a year, the person on $60,000 a year as a teacher or whatever is not going to relate to hundred grand a month. So Kelly forced me to step out my examples into like extra layers. So we had to start earlier and then move it up to bigger and so, so we satisfy everyone. And, and then I had to meet my audience where they're at. So that was one example. And the other thing that we did is with the first hard printed transcript, I actually gave one copy to a complete beginner and I gave another copy to a fairly advanced person. And we, with those two first readers, other than Kelly, like I only read half of it by that stage. I hadn't even finished it because I read half of it on the plane and I left it. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to cool off for a while. I let the others read it. And so they scribbled their notes on it. And then I went through and I had my notes and the advanced notes and the beginner's notes and using those and the filter of this has to be understandable for my kid. I actually long-handed some of the things. So instead of saying affiliate, I would say you know, sell for commission brackets affiliate. Mm-hmm. You know, I spell things out to make it more understandable or relatable for someone who's earlier on in, in the window. And the beginner gave me great feedback. He's like, he just put a question mark. What's this? Or I don't understand. Or what's an affiliate? <laughs> like, okay. And then the advanced guy's like, oh, he'll circle stuff and say, hey, this is really important. It could be a whole chapter or, you know, expand yeah. on this. So I shrunk some bits and expanded other bits and deleted things and tuned it up a lot based on that. And I deliberately didn't send it to 10 people or 20 people because nothing ever good came from a committee. Right. And I didn't want I didn't want people to give me their opinion and then me to just ignore it anyway, which is what I would do. And I typically do. In, in most of my other business decisions, I don't worry about too much about surveying people and saying, oh, which cover do you think's better? I don't really care. I've got to be happy with it. And I've got to have a really trusted expert say, yeah, this is a great cover. And then I'll just roll with it because I don't want to open up that hassle. Of, right. uh, you know, some people say, oh, that's not the one I picked. You know, that I could actually offend people if I don't do what they suggest. And it's also hard to say to them, look, thanks for your opinion, but your opinion doesn't really mean anything. You're not qualified to give it. You're not my perfect customer or, you know, you don't have the experience to be able to have an opinion on this yet. <laughs> so, right. you yeah, know, it's really interesting. Right. Because I think that's the fine balance of like involving your tribe or your potential tribe early. But also, I've had some clients who, who show book covers to people who don't know anything about co- book covers. And at the end, they show me, I'm like, that looks like a poster. I mean, it's going to be the size of a stamp on Amazon. If you, they're not going to be able to read your cover. 
Well, but everyone yeah, liked they, it. They'll either do it through ignorance or mm-hmm. that it's just a pure marketing tactic of manipulation, just getting people hyped up for their book, uh, <laughs> which is fine if that's what you want to do, but it's not what I want to do. Right. I mean, the great thing I think about what I've observed from, from afar is how much value and content you do produce because people already feel like they know you. And then there's some people, because you have such a breadth of content when they just meet you, like, I have no idea where to start. And I think this book is going to be so great for that. It was a, yeah, it'll definitely be something I can send them to and say, look, hey, why don't you read this book? Because my uh, was on the boat with us in the most of my experienced customers and we're sitting around talking about stuff and he wasn't really grasping what we're talking about. And I said, look, are you a reader? Would you like to read the the first draft of my book even before I do? And he goes, sure. And he read it. And then he came back to the discussions. I think it was a day later. And he somehow had had just transformed and it's like he knew stuff he'd never known before. It was like that that, uh, alien that comes from another planet and watches TV for a few weeks and then can speak English. (laughs) It's like, hey, he's arrived. And that's when I knew, hang on, this book is filling in a lot of gaps quickly. So it'll be a really leveraged way for me to onboard people into my world and for them to get the most value from anything else that I do. It's a primer. Yeah. I think think of you, Pat Flynn, when we were working on his book, one of the challenges he had is he's a generalist in so many areas like you. He's very knowledgeable in SEO, podcasting, affiliate marketing, on and on, blogging. What does he t- teach about? And the book, I mean, you have to narrow down to give the touch point. And what he realizes is that the majority of his audience, the 70% of the people had never made more than $500 online because he had asked them. And it's like, that, he figured that that's who I need to write this book for because I care about them. I want them to. I, I don't want them to just show up and listen to me, but never make any money. That's not the point of this. So that helped him refine that message for Will It Fly because he wanted to find, he could make the biggest impact on with a book on the largest number of people. Yes, it's, you've got to know your audience. And you know where I'm slightly different to Pat is I tend to focus on people who are already making $10,000 a year. So my audience, quite often further down the track yeah. than his audience, they've gone past, set up a blog and sell some hosting. They're now into, hey, I've got an actual offer that converts and I need to build a team and I think I want to quit my job. This is getting serious. So I wanted to really talk to my audience, but not alienate beginners. And that was the the difficult thing. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, that's where the kid filter really helped. Could my kid pick this up and, and relate to it and then take it further? And I'm getting great feedback from my even most advanced customers. When I look at the Amazon reviews, it's reminding them of stuff that I've already told them or it's filling in a few extra gaps that because it's all in one place, it's really easy for them to recharge on it. And some of those ideas don't really run out of usefulness, no matter how far down the track you are. I imagine Elon Musk or Richard Branson would find something interesting in that book somewhere. I'm not trying to talk myself up too much, by the way, but there are a lot of solid fundamentals that apply to any business is really more my point. Things like the profit formula, they don't change whether you're selling airline travel or whether you uh, have a lemonade stand, like the dynamics work for any business. Right. And I think that's what's great about a book like yours, that you had feedback from both top earners and people who were at that 10,000 a year range is that sometimes the gentle coach 
reapplies the same things that got them to the 10K or the 20K. Like, hey, remember how you got here? Don't forget. Don't get distracted by the shiny object thinking that that's going to grow your business. Remember these principles. And I think, you know, you make it super accessible. It's really, it's easy to read. The stories definitely is in your voice. That's the great thing. I mean, I'm glad you wrestled through it and didn't give up because honestly, you're not the first person I heard say they had their book extracted. And they're like, you know what? This isn't me. I don't want to do it. And then they stop because one, what if it doesn't work? What if that person can't find the voice? Because then they have all this content that's not them. Or they just don't want to go through the hassle of like making it sound like them and cutting out stuff. It's painful. I mean, the way you describe it reminds me of what I think about writing. You think as a writing coach, I'd love writing. I actually struggle all the time. I sit down to do it and I go, this is painful. Why are we doing this? But at the end, when you deliver a message and someone says, you know what? I needed this book because I didn't know what else I'd do or whatever it is you get and those reviews and the testimonies. I think it's really worth it. Well, that's why I did, did have a first run at the book, you know, five years ago. And the real difference between the first book and the second book was Kelly Exeter. You know, having the right person in your team who can catalyze you to your maximum performance is essential. So I, I would say that if you are not the typist, not the writer, not the storyteller, if you're just a subject matter expert, then get help, get good help. It will make all the difference. Right. It's the difference between a book being, like you said, a pamphlet and a book being very impactful and a cornerstone. Yeah, or not published at all. (laughs) Or Yeah. I mean, I mentioned a lot of people out there who are listening go, look, I have three manuscripts in the drawer that I just never pushed forward. And I think that... Well, look, uh, there is that saying, you know, like everyone's got a book inside them and, and that's probably where it should stay. I think for me, one of the objections was I didn't feel ready to publish a book. I didn't feel like I'd achieved enough or had an interesting enough story to tell until now. And the big tick in the box for me that happened last year was selling my service businesses for a good sum. And that was validation. And if you've read the book, you'll know that there were various checkpoints along the way where I'd actually achieved great things in my career that built confidence for me in the next stage. And so for me as an entrepreneur, that was building confidence in my own ability to to not be shouted down. Like, who are you to say that or to tell me about business? Like, you're nothing. You know, you know Richard Branson or whatever. But I do feel I've had significant enough results in my own business and for the people that I've helped that that I can stand by the book now. So I, I needed to cross that bridge. So I would say if someone doesn't have anything useful to say, or it's not that interesting to other people, then by all means publish, but just don't think think of it as uh, necessarily being a commercial success. So think of it more as art. I'm thinking at the moment, like I've got some, in my possession, I've got a few of our grandfather's diary, to my great-grandfather's diaries that have been published into a little book. And they're great books. They're really interesting to me to read about my ancestors and to learn more about my family and where I came from. But they're probably not that interesting to most other people. So we should factor that reality. Right. I mean, there's that. The book is for whom, right? And sometimes I guess it's okay that it's for you, your family, you know, but that it's a lot of commitment. But I think, you know, there's two reasons, major reasons to write a book and it's to share with the world or share with a smaller world. And it just matters to you how, how, how much effort you put into it in relationship to what the value is when, when you're done. I really appreciate that you shared. If you were going to take one tidbit, let's say someone who grabbed your book or, or convinced them why they should grab your book, what would that one thing be? 
they would grab the book if they would like to improve some area of your lifestyle design. If you have any kind of annoyance or frustration with the way your life's going, especially revolving around how you derive your income, or you know, if you're driving off to a job that you don't love, or dealing with nasty bosses <laughs> like yeah. I've done. Uh, if you've got a business that is going okay, but you'd like it to go better, then this book will be useful. There's absolutely no question in my mind that whatever you spend on getting the book will be delivered back to you. Right. That's great. Well, if people want to connect with you, James, and, and follow you and learn more about you, where should they go to learn? You can head over to jamesshramco.com and you can get a workbook that goes with the book. You could download that. And there's also an extra chapter there that might give you some insight as to what's there. So that's James Shramko, S-C-H-R-A-M-K-O.com. I usually have to spell that one. It's a bit of a mouthful, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. One of the reasons why I like people to, to ask so that they get that out there. And we'll put it up in the show notes as well, as well as a link to your book, which is an awesome book. And I really want to thank you for your time and helping us. Those last thing, make sure you go get work less, make more. It really is. It's been inspiring to me to read it and to learn from you directly from the source. And thank you so much for sharing your journey as a writer and inspiring those of us who even a book seems hard. There's lots of ways to do it. Solving it doesn't have to be alone. So thank you, James. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Join me again for another interview for great authors who talk about their story, how they got there, and why they feel like they're born to write. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave an honest review, and you can always find me at coachazul.com.